So our reading today is from Acts chapter 4, verses 1 to 12. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I don't know all of you that well, so I don't know who of you went to Sunday school and who didn't, but if you went to Sunday school, grew up going to Sunday school, you might remember a song that goes, Peter and John went to pray. They met a man on the way. He asked for alms and held out his palms, and this is what Peter did say. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And then my favorite bit, and he went walking and leaping and praising God, which I seem to remember always involved flinging arms about in a somewhat dangerous manner. Anyway, I give you that little snippet, and it will now probably be in the head for the rest of your day if you know it, because this is the context of this passage. That story immediately precedes this one. Peter and John have healed a crippled man in the name of Jesus Christ right next to the temple. The crowd around them are understandably amazed at this, and Peter starts to preach to them. Partway through Peter's sermon, the priests, captain of the temple guard, and Sadducees come up and arrest Peter and John. After a night in the cells, which is the first of many for the disciples, they are questioned the next day. In the meantime, just as an aside, Luke adds, about 5,000 people believed. It says this group of temple rulers were greatly disturbed. So I want to think a bit about why. Why were they greatly disturbed at what Peter and John were doing? Well, there are a couple of things. They were teaching people, and they were proclaiming the resurrection of the dead. Two things which challenged the status quo. This is a passage which has power dynamics right at the very heart of it. Peter and John were not educated religious leaders. They were just ordinary men preaching a new message. But they were preaching with power and impressive results. Not only were people believing them, but cripples were being healed. Imagine you were a religious leader. For years you had trained and studied. You taught people faithfully to the best of your ability. Then these two young upstarts appear. They're not from the right family background. 
They're not educated, they're not trained. And yet, when they talk, people listen. And they listen in a way that they've never listened to you. So no wonder the priests are quite annoyed at this point. There's probably a fair amount of jealousy at play. But it wasn't just the fact that Peter and John, these ordinary people, were preaching. It was what they were preaching. And that was really what was the issue. They were proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Now, not only were they claiming that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead, one person being resurrected from the dead, that's, that's bad enough. And note the not-so-subtle Jesus, whom you crucified, that Peter slips in there. But actually, they were not just proclaiming Jesus resurrected from the dead, but they were actually proclaiming general resurrection of the dead. Because Jesus had been raised, Peter was bold enough to preach that resurrection was possible for all. Now, if you're in power, this is not good news. Resurrection means God is restoring dead things to life. Resurrection means that the new world to come, where all things are restored to how they should be, is starting to appear now. Resurrection means that those who believe in it, they're not going to be so worried about dying because they believe they're going to come back. They're more likely to cause trouble. Resurrection means if you're in power... And especially if you're not exercising that power in a thoroughly godly way, you might just be about to lose that power. So no wonder the priests and the Sadducees were greatly disturbed. The gospel challenges the status quo. It challenges power. It always has and it always will until the day when all things are restored and the kingdom of God is fully revealed. At the end of the passage, Peter says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to humankind by which we must be saved. Now that statement is possibly even more of a challenge now, today, than it was then. The status quo now says there's no one way, no single option. It's whatever works best for you. To claim that salvation can only be found in Jesus, that this is an exclusive option. This is, to put it lightly, not very popular. There are many today who would be greatly disturbed by this message. Some of those would be those who have a vested interest in things staying exactly as they are, because they have power and authority and prestige currently. Other people might not like that message so much just because they don't like change. But there are also those who do not want to have to follow Jesus because they have not yet discovered that Jesus is the one who brings life, that he's the one that restores a man's feet and ankles to full health, restores all things to how they are supposed to be. So as we tell people of Jesus, this man resurrected from the dead, we should expect people to disapprove. We should expect people to ask us, by what power or name do you do this? But we should also rely on the Holy Spirit to fill us, give us the words we need, and we should not be afraid of challenging the status quo and saying salvation is found in no one else. I'm going to spend a couple of moments in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the one by whose name we are saved. 
We thank you that you are the one who transforms and heals. We pray for ourselves that you would give us boldness in telling others of you. That your Holy Spirit would give us the words that we need. Father, we pray for our church. We thank you for the amazing time away that we had at Focus. Pray you protect those who went to Focus, particularly from spiritual attack, from the low that follows a high like that. We continue to pray for the appointment of a youth minister. I pray for all members of the congregation who are having holiday. Lord, I pray that holiday and rest time would be deeply refreshing, nourishing, restorative. Lord, we pray for those who can't get away for whatever reason. Pray that they too would find ways of rest. That they would be able to refresh themselves through your word and your spirit. Lord, we pray for our community of Hoxton. We pray for the food bank lunches. Thank you for that provision for those who would be going hungry otherwise. And Lord, we pray that those who need that will find out about them. Would that be a wonderful place of support for families over this summer holiday. And Father, we pray for our nation and our world. And we pray for the continuing Brexit negotiations, however messy and impossible it may seem, that some good would come out of it that the end result would be beneficial and particularly that the end deal would not leave those most vulnerable even more exposed. We pray for those at Lombok and Bali for the rescuers as they search through the rubble after the earthquake for those who are grieving the loss of loved ones and for those who are homeless. I pray that aid would be quick to reach them and that the aftershocks would not cause too much more damage. Lord, we lift all of this to you. In your name and for your glory. Amen. As we conclude our prayers, we say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. <laughs>